while police photographing our license plate. What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voice Talk Radio Show, and I'm your guest host today, Daniel L. Garner, known also as O.G. Rose. We have a very special guest today. The regular host of The Reasonable Voice, Marcello Rolando himself. (laughs) Founder and creative director of The Reasonable Voice, Mr. Rolando has lived an incredibly productive and creative life. To name a few things, he's directed Dixon's Nixon in New York, and 1776 in Philadelphia for the Bicentennial with Franco in NBC's Another World. Works at Juilliard, interviews prominent names from the Congress to the Trideca Film Festival. In other words, if you can think it, Marcello has probably done it. Marcello, how are you doing today? I'm fine. I'm overcome by that introduction. I don't know that I could have done done this well at all. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, Oh, well, just speaking the truth, Mr. Rolando, just speaking the truth. Uh, We're so happy to have you today. We thought it would be a lot of fun to give you a chance to talk about The Reasonable Boys, why you started it, what you've seen in politics over your lifetime, different quite a question. Well, it's easy to remember why why I started it. It um, I was um, I've always been sort of politically oriented, but during my years in New York on soap operas and directing theater, I I um, I certainly was influenced in thinking about politics, but I didn't get very actively involved in politics except voting, of course. But I started the reasonable voice because. It was bad enough when Bush Cheney were sort of elected the first time, but when they, <laughs> when they were re-elected, I had friends in Europe who you know called, still call regularly, and they asked, you know, everyone understood. Well, it could have happened once, whatever might have happened in Florida, but happening a second time right. was less excusable. And what did I think about right. that? So then. As I had um, had relocated to Washington D.C., I was uh, while I, w- I was still doing theater, but my certainly you can't live in Washington D.C. and be totally divorced from politics. 
So I began, I, I began working more with political people and organizations and began writing. In New York, I was known as a script doctor, you know, helping playwrights uh, right. write better plays or rewrite better plays. But this right. was different. This was starting with the blank page, which I always sort of respected. And when I taught playwriting, I said, you know, anybody can fix something uh, or make it better, maybe. But to start with a blank page right. is something that should be respected. And all of a sudden, I found myself the one starting with a blank, <laughs> a blank page. So right. I, I started writing and uh, submitting articles to newspapers. And I, I wish, I'm embarrassed to say, I can't remember the Baltimore, it wasn't the Baltimore Sun, had been reviewed in the Baltimore Sun as a director, but years prior, but uh, it was a Baltimore newspaper, as in maybe Baltimore County or the Baltimore metropolitan area. And the editor accepted right. the article and made a comment uh, saying, this is a reasonable voice in when we need it most. And that's... Exactly. And that's when I started calling myself the reasonable voice. And wow. and that's how that happened. And when it happened. And why, I guess. My goodness. <laughs> well, that's what, well, we certainly need reasonable voices in the, in the world today. Uh, that's, a, that's a very important thing. And, uh, you know, your comment about the black page reminded me of uh, something that I heard an art critic say. They said there are artists that start with a uh, block of marble mm. and chisel out of statue mm -hmm. and then there are the artists that don't even start with the marble have to go mine it then when they get their block they still have to carve the statue <laughs> and uh, both of those both of those have uh, a, a, a quite a role you know writing is rewriting and uh you you, you still uh, release a commentary about every single week don't, don't you marcella i do and that in of itself is challenging I, th this week uh, no less sure. than any other i so much there is so much information, many of it, as we know, we now call fake news. That's certainly been going on, right. not just from social media for some time. Um, right. But uh, we are bombarded with so much information, and I like to stay topical. I also like not just to regurgitate the news or the headlines, as we've gotten used to, you know, breaking news is just saying it again at a different top of the hour. Um <laughs> I don't want to do that. I want to write commentary, but I want it to be more than just my opinion. I want it based on uh, research and what's going on, and and not for the first time, but certainly one of the greater times. This week, I, I, I try to make notes on a Friday and then write a first draft on a Saturday and then look at it on a Sunday afternoon and see if I still like it. <laughs> And if I do, yeah, if I do, then with a pot of coffee on early Monday morning before the sun comes up, <laughs> I will decide what to do with it. But this week, I, I really wasn't certain what I, I was going to write. And the, and the thing is this, one must try, I feel, to connect to the dots in a way that educates the public. Oh, yes, absolutely. But at the same time, you have to try and find hope, and not just a silver lining, but actual hope. We are going through what we go through individually, as a family, as a, as a organization, as a people, as a nation. 
we go through stages right. always for a reason and it's not always clear but i think it's important for all right. of us to try and um and to, well i'll tell you i ask i just go right to the top i said okay god what is it you're trying to tell me <laughs> uh, because i'm a willing listener and a, and a good student right. but i don't get it so what is it you're trying to tell me and i have to right. say uh then i spend what i i tell people to do i kind of with my profession i have to do it a little more often than i suggest to people but i wish everyone would take at least one hour a week and just in silence think listen be open i mean it doesn't have to be a prayer it doesn't have to especially as i always say prayer is asking god something and what you want is to give god a chance to answer uh, or whatever you believe in the powers of the universe the the vibrations whatever but it's a time to just get centered and focus on listening because it's something we are definitely missing. I, I've always told when I direct actors, I've always said the most important ingredient in acting is listening. That's where everything comes from. Oh, yeah. You are you are listening yeah. to the, the playwright. You're listening, you know, with what's on the page. You're listening uh, to the other characters and the actors changing the way they do things from rehearsal to rehearsal. You're listening to the timing. You're listening to the director. Your job is to listen, oh, yeah. and if you are a good listener, when you speak, what you say is worth listening to. So anyway, so this Absolutely. week, this Absolutely. this week was a challenge. The one thing I did know I wanted from the very beginning there was a, a former guest. As a matter of fact, his name is Keith T. Bishop, and he wrote a book. Came on the show That's to talk right. about it. Yes, the Republican Bond. He wrote, right, he wrote right. an earlier book entitled Slop, S-L-O-P. But The Republican Bond, right. um, I remembered the title, remembered his interview, and I started with that title and and finally did get something submitted to opednews.com, which they posted mm. as a headline and uh, article, which right. which is always flattering. And I hope I, I hope I answered your question somewhere in there. Career in 
politics and the arts and, and everything that you do, which is literally everything, hmm. uh, what have been some of the changes that you've seen? Oh, well, Daniel, we don't even remotely have enough time to answer that question. I, I, think, um, I think the reality, the first thing, the point I would like to make is our politics don't change to any greater or lesser degree than we do. Uh, we are. We don't even know, which is a sad thing. I, 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 I don't think the answer, no matter how uh, justified it may seem, and no matter how intellectual the source, I don't think the answer is ever telling someone they don't know what they're talking about. We have evolved into an echo chamber. And everyone's talking yeah. at the same time, and we, but we tend to be talking to people who are echoing back what we believe, rather than sitting around a table in a coffee oh, shop yeah. as we used to do. <laughs> I remember we would right. sit around in a oh, coffee yeah. shop, very much like the uh, who is it, Samuel Johnson, who did that, or uh, they would the, oh, the great yeah. yes, the great writers of that day, the Elizabethan uh, period, etc. They would meet not always in a oh, coffee yeah. shop, of course, but <laughs> they would meet in public houses of one sort or another. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but they would think out loud and they would listen and they would exchange right. ideas. They would borrow from each other and share with each right. other and give willingly to each other. Uh, and I think oh, yeah. that is something. I don't think that we ever had the purity of that, but we certainly had it to some degree and consistently, superficially sometimes, but we used to, I think we, uh, we, we clearly have changed our perspective uh, as a people. Um, generalizations are dangerous to get into, but, um, but I think at the core, there's still things that are the same, and that is generally most people are well-intentioned, good people um, right. who care about other people beyond um, their immediate family and f circle of friends. I think we, uh, some of us, have strayed from that, uh, but not, but no one's completely bad. So it's a, for all of my disagreements. Uh, politically with some people. I think we've arrived at a time when it's not um, it's not just about left versus right or male versus female or white versus black and brown and yellow and, um, right. you know, and Native Americans. It is that. That is all part of the one, uh, the one big conflict, the one big uh, idea that drives us all with our different interpretations of that idea. But it's not about, right. it's not enough to think it's a, an argument between left and right and Democrats and Republicans, enough to leave out our independent Green Party friends. It's about understanding that if we do not respect one another and work together, we will end up with the, uh, the chaos that... Um, that some try, that some preach because there there certainly are people who want us to be chaotic. Uh, they want right. us to be the more distracted we are in uh, self aggrandizement as well as self deception as well right. as self uh, fulfilling prophecies. Uh, 
You know, and people wake up and I've known people like this who say, oh, it's going to be a terrible week. Well, if you say so, I guess, you know, I yeah, guess so. Right, right. But, um, and I'm not a rosy, what is it, rosy colored glasses kind of guy. I believe in, <laughs> I believe in down to earth pragmatic solutions, but I think they come from communion. Um, they come oh, no, I, absolutely. So. Oh, no, absolutely, absolutely. Well, a lot of good stuff that, I mean, when you're saying about, I think the, the problem is that nobody thinks they're wrong. So when you, all you yes. do is tell somebody they're wrong, they, they turn off. Exactly. They immediately turn off. And I think we think that when you're wrong, you know it. School kind of teaches us, teaches us that when we're wrong, we feel bad. But mm. actually, being wrong often feels like being right. And mm. I think that points to why, you know, in writing we say, show, don't tell. You need. You can't just tell people they're wrong through exactly. argument and reason. You have to show it to them. And, exactly. And I think your mission is right in there on that. Well, we're going to take a break here, uh, Marcello. Uh, we'll be back there to ask you some questions, maybe about the political heroes and ways that the parties can work together in 2017. But this has been a wonderful discussion. This is the Reasonable Voice. Uh, I'm your guest host today, Daniel Gorner, and we'll be right back. Another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. The opening frames of Kisses are presented in bleak shades of gray. The sounds are desolate and the language floatedly foul. All the characters appear beaten down by the harsh world into which they were born. Yet surprisingly, this Irish fairy tale is also full of magical whimsy as well as indie grit. Yes, both. Kisses tells of two pre-adolescent children, each reared in abusive lower-class home. When Dylan challenges Da for slugging his ma, Da sets out to kill him, and a helpless ma can only tell him to run. Run, Dylan does, together with Kylie, the girl next door and his best friend, into the gritty streets of Dublin, Ireland. Vowing never to return, they make their way through the city as color finds its way into the frame. There is danger aplenty for these vulnerable waifs, but magic just might keep it at bay. They run in roller shoes that light up the night with sparkles of color. Their friendship is their shield, and the musical aura of Bob Dylan is their powerful cloak. In the end, the fanciful clashes with reality. Color may once again drain from their world, but the magic will remain in our hearts as we pine for the future of Kylie and Dylan. Kisses, not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Welcome back to The Reasonable Voice. I'm your guest host today, Daniel Garner. And again, we are speaking with the man himself, Marcello Rolando, the host of The Reasonable Voice. And... Uh, We've been having a wonderful discussion about politics and matters that are of the utmost importance this day. And uh, we thought we'd uh, take a moment just to reflect, uh, what, are, what are some of your political heroes, Marcello, or maybe some of your inspirations for writing and, and the arts? Uh, just curious on who are some of the, uh, the voices that help make up your voice. Well, I, the, the first, of course, that comes to mind is President John F. Kennedy. I was, um, I, I'm certainly not a historian, but I am um, a lover of history, and I respect history. I respect what is past as prologue if you don't do something about it. 
I've always told actors, if you come in every day and you do the line the same way, you haven't grown. So how can how can the play change? How can it evolve? I do think because I love history so much uh, and I talk to people who know a lot more about history than I by profession, my heroes are not just people who lived during my lifetime. I have a great deal of respect, obviously, for Abraham Lincoln and I love knowing about uh, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, both the, the good, bad, and the whatever, uh, you know, but um, Woodrow Wilson, uh, they're not all Democrats, although it seems that way. I mean, Teddy and, and Roosevelt and uh, Lincoln, of course, were not Democrats. Um, goodness is not a political persuasion. But uh, John Kennedy, go. I think, for for two reasons, because he probably was the he, he was the first president I was old enough to really understand as as a president and what a president does. And um, I I was young when he was assassinated, but old enough to know that the adults in my life were uh, incredibly distraught. I remember. Again, as a child, the Cuban Missile Crisis, when people, I'm Roman Catholic, and I remember, I'm sure they were doing it at other faiths as well, but people were standing in line wrapped around the street to get into mass during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Well, my parents, I remember very clearly, thought this was it. We never, we weren't going to make it through this uh, situation. So I think John Kennedy always comes to mind not just because he was young and not because of all the romanticism or distraction of Camelot, but because I do believe he was put here. I think we all have a mission, and some of us live without ever knowing what that is. But I do think um, his mission was to save the world from nuclear holocaust. And I've, I've many times gone back in history and read and studied and tried to figure out, and of course, more more recent history, it's easier, at least I feel, to figure it out. Imagine if such and such a president had been president then. And when I do that, I, I, I go through it carefully and think about that. And the the differences that come to my imagination anyway are astoundingly frightening. And I just think um, that's why he was here. I'm sorry uh, his life was taken the way it was, or that any life is taken, but um, he was here when we wow. needed him, and, and yes, wow. he's, he's certainly a political hero. Wow. For well, me. his profile's encouraged as a must-read. Yes. Mean, he, uh, it, it's, it's uh, what do they call it, the butterfly effect, how different things would be. It's just yes. one thing was different in history. Yes. I mean, it, that's... Uh, that's an important thing to reflect on. I, I, I've heard a story where they say that when uh, George Washington had his army at the Delaware, had there not been fall cover, he wouldn't have been able to cross. Exactly. And, you know, the United States, of, the United States of America may not exist. I mean, it's just astounding to think about. It's astounding to think about. But you know, that makes me think about how big of a difference uh, you know people, just one person, can make in the history of the country. And yes. What would you say, you know, a lot of people are feeling uh, tension right now politically. Uh, Republicans are upset and they're embodying that anger. Democrats are upset at Republicans. They're embodying that anger. Republicans back and forth anger. And uh, 
there's really, I think, a lot of people feel as if it's not possible for the two to move forward anymore, but uh, to, to work together. Uh, as you talked about, I mean, one person can make a, a big difference. I mean, what, what are the things that people are going to need to do and to, to move across the aisles? What are they going to have to uh, grow up and do, I suppose, <laughs> to say? And what are some of the issues you believe that the two parties can work together on and move forward on and, and, and in what way so that we can... Uh, kind of uh, answer the answer the call that we find ourselves uh, before at a time such as this. Well, this time is certainly unique. I, I don't think it's healthy that we've evolved to a place where we believe someone like Donald Trump should be the president of the United right. States. I think... Um, the media has, um, that is the, main, the, the traditional media that claims to be fourth estate, protecting the people's right. trust. I think that's gone by the wayside. Uh, and I think right. a, a large part of that is the development of the 24-7 news cycle. When you don't right. have something to say, instead of my Uncle Gino not saying anything, you repeat, and then it becomes gossip, and then you have on another set of right. talking heads, and it's just their version of the same gossip. And so, of course, right. I, well, I shouldn't say of course, because I, I'm very upset about fake news, but the most upsetting right. thing to me about fake news is that there are young people, your age, millennials, who live so much on social media that they really right. do believe that that's the news when right. it, when it, it seldom is. Uh, and yet it's not just young people, though. I There was a show on a, a news broadcast the other day, and they were asking a, a several senior citizens, one by one, so they were not influenced by each other, about how they felt about where the best place to get news. And they right. were talking about... Uh, John Stewart and uh, you know and whatever. Right. Now I love those oh, yeah. guys. Oh, yeah. They're hilariously funny. Yeah, I uh, and yet, but I know it's not news. And if we can't distinguish right. between that, then we get taken. And I think that's what oh, yeah. what has happened. I think Democrats and Republicans and Independents, liberals, conservatives—they're not all the same thing. They're just labels that we we use. Right. But um, the point is. If there is too much grandstanding, and I'm just going to talk about the Congress at the moment, not the president-elect or the president, Obama, or the Supreme Court, but if in the Congress the goal is to grandstand or to take a a position and say, we're not going to do anything beyond this, whether it's uh, approving... President Obama's uh, Supreme Court nominee or right, any of right, his policies right. announcing he's only going to be a one-term president. If we choose right. that sort of position, if we think that's why we were elected, then we have stopped progress and, right. uh, and stopped communication. Now, I'd like to believe behind the scenes because I know a lot goes on behind the scenes. I've been behind the scenes, but um, but still, it doesn't matter what's going on behind the scenes if we don't see 
some result. And, and so right. there are, to me, obvious things that uh, both parties should work together on, but whether or not they will, I don't think it's going to happen right. until we, the right. people, quite literally say enough of this. You know, we said enough of this, right. no more gridlock, but right. if, you, if you send someone to be the most powerful person in the land who really uh, expresses a sort of disrespect for the institutions, um, who attacks uh, uh, with Twitter or anything else, who belittles um, segments of the population, and you think, any of us think that's the solution to our problems, then we have right. sent a signal for all of our talk of not wanting gridlock. We have sent a signal that that's as right. long as it's different, it's okay, it's good. Well, yeah, that's right. You know, I mean, that makes me think, you know, yeah, that's exactly right. It makes me think of two things. You know, Marshall McLuhan, he, uh, when you were talking about the media, oh, yes. he always used the line where he said, we make our tools and then our tools make us. Exactly. And uh, I, I think that's what's happening. And if you realize that's going on, you can uh, you can at least fight against it. And yes. It's good, but people people don't even realize we're being made by our schools. Yes. Uh, you know, you're talking about John Stewart. It reminds me, it's funny, Shakespeare always knows everything, and Shakespeare is always the jester who gives you the revelation. Yes. It's the jester, not the king. <laughs> that's kind of the comical world we're in. You know, for, for Shakespeare, that was the tragic comic situation, mm-hmm. and I think we're kind of in that, too. And, you know, the other thing we talked about across the aisle, uh, if the other side is pure evil, you know, mm-hmm. and Republicans depict Democrats as pure evil, and Democrats can depict Republicans as pure evil, mm. then all compromise is evil. Yes. All working together is evil, because in a, you know, there's that quote, uh, in a compromise between good and evil, only evil benefit. Mm. The problem with that is that you're always going to define the people that disagree with you as evil. As evil, and yes. That, and that moralizes not working together. That moralizes a broken government. And that leads to, uh, you know, Habermas called it the legitimization crisis, where nobody believes in institutions anymore. People exactly. don't have faith in the media. They don't have faith in the government. And, you know, Habermas predicted that in the 70s, and here it is. And uh, it is a real issue. I, I, the last thing I, I say, it seems to me that both sides, there's a bit of a string of thought that can manifest in both. It's taken over the Republicans, which is, throw a bomb at D.C. and hope something good happens. You know, if that's what politics become, you know, throw a bomb at it and hope something good happens, it, it, it's not good. But, you know, I, I do think there's reasons for hope. I, I think you see strands of people that are sort of waking up and going across the aisle. And, uh, you know, the, the last question I kind of wanted to ask you and give you a chance to expound upon is, uh, what gives you the most hope for 2017? What are, what are some of the things that... Uh, you know, makes you, makes you uh, see the lights in the sky, if you will. Well, I think, first of all, I want to say that uh, a college degree does not necessarily make someone uh, superior intellectually. Uh, and not having a college degree certainly does not make somebody stupid. Most of the men in my family do not have college degrees. And frankly, right. very few men... Uh, have I found as profound as my father and my uncle Gino, yeah. and they did it right. with the they did it with simplicity, but not the kind of simplicity 
that seems to in, infected the fearful and the impatient and the worried and those who who, who constantly it's a stupid question to begin with saying what do you think the country's going in the right direction what a an incredibly inept question um and and you know like most poll questions it really is what are you thinking and feeling right now on the day you're in and how right. your day is going so it's a silly question right, right. and um right. but it it uh, we do have people who have not felt th that the recession is over and we also right. have industries that are not coming back uh, uh, not the right. jobs for them because the world has moved forward not just the democratic right. party right. or the america right. or democracies even the world right. has moved forward and if you want to do something that's positive it's not about you know there used to be people who ran elevators but people don't right. anymore but there's certainly there are new industries if we would be open to them like right. wind towers and uh sun uh, you know uh sun panels what do i want to say what what are they called it's not right. sun panels right. but you know what i mean um right. yes yes uh, and you know green energy all of these technologies that are being um delayed in their development primarily because the old technologies and when i say old i'm talking about the robber barons of the late 1800s and early 1900s right. their descendants have said no there's too much money in fossil fuels we're not going to change right. so the hope is get yourself educated and that doesn't just mean go to college oh, yeah. i love college i have three degrees that's great but it educated in the sense that you must know what your leaders are doing there's this great right. website pop as in p o p pop uh vox v o x dot com i believe and it gives you a breakdown on what our the elected leaders are promoting uh the bills they introduce what they are for and what they're against we need to know that stuff and when you don't like it you need to petition i mean there are petitions online like crazy but in addition to that pick up the phone and call your legislatures in the state right. uh, and in the federal government the hope is that in my opinion i think donald trump is his own worst enemy and that as people begin to see this is not forget temperament you know i was always such a cop out label uh, he he is not qualified to be the president and as that creates problems for the majority right. my hope is people will oh my god what have we done and now how do we fix it because it's it really right. has to be from the ground up this this whole thing of right. expecting leaders to solve our, all our problems it's they can't right. solve them unless we do a better job of educating ourselves and who we vote for but we have to solve them and and that doesn't mean that annoying phrase to me pull yourself up by your bootstraps i did it you can do it no we all need help and we all need help from each other i hope that but i do find hope oh, yeah. in that because i i think uh i think americans are uh people who reach out to help people 
and and that's where the hope I is. That's where the hope is. Hmm. That's a powerful word. I, I I do think we're seeing people who, after this election, are looking around and sort of going, "How can we reach out to people different from yes. us, yes. think different from us, and uh, make a better America?" You know, there sometimes through uh, what's the phrase? It's darkest before the dawn. Yes. You know, sometimes yes. Those, you know the. The darkness is actually an indication of the coming light. And right? that's what I feel. We're going to be seeing... Yes, sir. Absolutely. Well, Marcello, we've had a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much, and thank you for your work and the work that you're doing and will continue to do. This has been The Reasonable Voice. I'm your guest host, Daniel Garner. Join us next week as we continue our TRV podcast. Again, today we've been interviewing Marcello Rolando, and thank you so much for your time, Marcello. You have a great day. Thank you, Daniel, and same to you and your family. Stay with us as we'll be right back with a final comment from The Reasonable Voice. And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. The best stories are the ones that take us outside of ourselves, where, upon return to reality, something has changed. Tarsem Singh's 2006 adventure fantasy, The Fall, transports us to 1920s California, to a sanatorium where ice is delivered by truck and X-ray technicians wear suits of armor. Here, two convalescing characters form an unlikely bond. Alexandria, a little girl who broke her arm working in the orange groves, and Roy, a heartbroken stuntman, played by the ever-charming Lee Pace. Roy begins to tell Alexandria an epic tale of five extraordinary heroes who have been wronged by the villain Odious and now seek revenge. Along with Alexandria, we visualize a majestic world where heroes swim with elephants and trees instantaneously catch fire. However, it soon becomes apparent that Roy's own broken life is seeping into the world of the story, and that what he truly seeks is not a happy ending, but rather the vial of morphine in the medicine closet. Bringing us back to the early days of film, The Fall reminds us not only why we tell stories, but also why we listen to them. Saturated with visually stunning scenes, it rivals the best of our imaginations, offering a little bit of something for everyone. The Fall, not in theaters, discovery through rental. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Reason for Hope The land time can't forget, between Election Day 2016 and Inauguration Day 2017. Is it high noon or twelve o'clock high meets 140 characters in search of an author, but settling for a hack choking on denial of climate change, conflicts of interest, and the Russians are coming in real time. Caught by surprise electoral college victory, hiding in plain sight using thank you tour for lock her up encore as cover up, Intelligence briefings on the necessity of taking up governance, scary for one with only an eight-second attention span. No denying launch codes in the hands of a Twitter caricature is not a movie you want to watch before lights out. But if you want to keep the home fires burning, we need go beyond the inmates have taken over the asylum and have a come-to-Jesus moment. America is not dead, but... Maybe we should be getting a second opinion.
why can't we find comfort in the assurance of a heartless Halliburton oil addict and his co-mushroom cloud gang member confirming the common good will be served by Time's Person of the Year nominees? I mean, where's our faith in lead water, gas pipeline leaks, bought politicians, and coal ash? Have they not proven to be ready, willing, and able companions to food deserts, factory farms, and rusty memories of the good old days? As for the tomfoolery reality of our potential 45th sets in on the road again, we could use some coffee-pot time among friends with an appreciation for what is past is prologue. So celebrate holidays knowing, though fractured, we still stand gifted with the freedom to think and the wake-up call to do so. Hope is as near as dusting off our ability to turn off the self-appointed self-important, like Chuck Todd and Hugh Hewitt, blaming President Obama for not breaking through the constant barrage of breaking 24-7 competition between Trump free press and Trump fake news. The Russians weren't the only ones cyberspace invited to invade the left for an inner circle placemat on the right side of the table. Sad. When did browsing become swiping in a hazy flash-by pretense of communication? When did manufacturing, in-depth research, and personal development succumb to failing to question authority, embracing not my problem, and ignoring the wonder of wandering through the mysteries of... Are we there yet? Yes, we can still see how words poorly chosen in nincompoop bravado and buffoonery can disappear our comprehension. Chinese ships in China Sea returning drone amidst mixed signals. Russians toasting laughable nonsense, not at the world's shifting perception of dependable American prowess, but at our being so easily distracted by a carnival barker wearing a carrot and tweeting his stick for the wild beasts of his own casting. Unlike the glitter of fool's gold, reason anchors us to the true communion of hope, which then invigorates our will to go on. But deciding what to contribute requires more thought than text from a tweeter. So let us not misplace our willpower to hope. For both world and time are abundantly clear, it is for us to create a life space for both oyster and pearl. Car keys can be found more easily than truth, and hope eludes reality check in rallies that evade questions about tax returns. But despite murderous attempts to steal our peace on earth, are we not the designated survivors inheriting love thy neighbor as thyself, even when too much information is not enough knowledge? We are stewards of nothing if putting faith in Goliaths we forget we are the masters of our fate and the Davids of America's soul. The very instant we keep hope someplace safe where our children can find it. Like heaven's brightest star, hope guides us forward on paths wiser than now imaginable to learn to live beyond self. But even an open mind filled with the better argument is but half the journey to having the wisdom to use it. Hope in our future is our proof of life today. Join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you. 
Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of thereasonablevoice.com website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, The Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.